0: Um, we need to talk about something that we can segue into actually talking about the thoughts that you had about the paper. So you want, like, an intro topic? Well, because that's what we usually do, right? Is we're talking about some bullshit, and then I pick a spot somewhere in the conversation. Like, uh, for instance, in the um, recently released Out of the Tar Pit episode.
1: I haven't even, I'm sorry, I did listen to it.
0: You listened to it the way the canvas listens to the paintbrush, the audio medium of painting. I I have this this way of picking a spot somewhere in our conversation that feels sort of funny. And for for the Tar Pit episode, we were doing something where we were joking about them being very cancelable takes and about having to cut them all out of the episode. And I did cut them out of the episode, but I kept the bit about us talking about needing to cut them out so the episode begins with us saying no you can't segue off of something i'm cutting out of the show that's not fair
1: i know i wasn't i wasn't segueing. i was just this is just a fact <laughs> okay you, you can't keep it All right. uh. and nothing we said was actually cancelable it was like joke cancelable
0: yeah, but nobody will ever know. Right? That's the thing. <laughs> like nobody will know whether we were we were being actually problematic in our takes about I think it was some programming thing we were talking about. I can't remember, but yeah, so uh Jimmy, do you want to segue off of that <laughs> into talking about intercal? <laughs> this very uh, serious, not at all cancelable programming language is that our? Is that our segue? No, that can't be it.
1: Yeah, we already did cancelable last time. Just, uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think about you know, I mean, we can talk about like very mundane things.
0: Uh, Are you going to Strange Loop this year?
1: Yeah, I am going to Strange Loop. I need to buy my ticket and all that stuff, but I I can't imagine I wouldn't be for the last Strange Loop. You know, I'm I'm hoping to to present a talk, but I got to figure out what in the world that's going to be. And I've I've presented a Strange Loop before. It was a really fun experience. Although I have to say, I enjoy conferences so much more when I don't speak at them, Hmm. Uh, because you don't have the nerves,
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like you or the props. And the set dressing and the lighting. Like if I was going to give a talk, I've never given a talk, but if I was going to give a talk, I imagine all the logistics of like getting the damaged, you know, deck or the PDP 11 or whatever up on stage with me to do the presentation, <laughs> like all the 18 wheeler trucks that I'd have to have idling out behind the venue to offload all of the, uh, the Rube Goldberg machines and the the trapeze and all of that, like that would be a lot of logistics and I wouldn't enjoy my time at the rest of the conference all that much if I had all that, to, uh, all that paperwork.
1: I think it would be really fun to pitch a talk that was like your very normal, boring tech talk. And then you do that
2: mm-hmm. like
1: unannounced, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it is that you just thought of in your head there. I think that would be such a fun thing to do. Cause like, I love strange loop. Uh, you know, I, I, personally know some people who organize it, but it's gotten less strange over time. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've been thinking about like, what, what should you do at the last strange loop to make it more strange? and I think it would be fun to like do some things without asking for permission <laughs> <laughs>
0: that added some strange to it. The last couple of times that I've tried that, um, one of them was uh, shortly after the city of Calgary had had a, a very large flood that you know flooded many low-lying neighborhoods around the downtown core, and many people's basements full of stuff were flooded with sewage and mud and other all sorts of terrible stuff. And so, one of my friends lived in one of these low-lying neighborhoods, and all of his music gear was flooded and destroyed. And he had, you know, all the stuff for bands, like drums, amps, guitars, all that kind of stuff, synthesizers, like retro, weird things. And they were all destroyed. And I was preparing to stage a show at a snooty arts venue. And so the organizers noticed via Facebook that all of a sudden my set that I was preparing and and previewing on, on Facebook posts suddenly contained a lot of like floodwater contaminated music gear used as set decoration. And they came to me and said, you're not planning to bring a whole bunch of floodwater contaminated music gear onto my stage, are you? And I sort of <laughs> sheepishly said, oh no, I, I'm totally planning to wash it all first and and clean it and and get it back into, you know, safe sanitary condition before bringing it up on stage. After which point I promptly did a whole load of washing and uh, decontamination. Um, so yeah that kind of thing where you surprise the organizers and surprise the venue um, goes off perfectly they love it
2: Uh
1: uh-huh yeah,
0: definitely not a terrible, terrible international crime to do something like that in a country that I'm not a citizen of. <laughs> so,
1: I think, you know, like the things I'm thinking of would maybe not be as destructive as water damaging a whole setup where there's electrical gear and thousands of dollars of equipment and stuff. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying this is a serious suggestion, but I always think of the have you did you watch community?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen it.
1: The Meow Meow Beans episode of Community.
0: I haven't seen that one.
1: Okay, okay, so uh, there's this app where it's kind of a, you know, a critique on social media kind of thing, or a Black Mirror before Black Mirror. And there's this app, and you can rate everybody based on, it's Meow Meow Beans. So if they're a good person, they get five Meow Meow Beans. If they're a bad person, they get one Meow Meow Bean. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you can rate them. And like the whole school ends up becoming this dystopian society based on your meow meow beans rating. That's painful. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> and like the whole premise is like this startup wants to come in and test out their app and with real users.
0: Oh, so that's what that has to do with Strange Loop. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes, yes, right. So like this is what I think of is like, oh, well, we're testing out this app and like try to get people to install it and then do something weird, something unexpected. Something that involves the audience in some sort of game or some sort of, yeah, you know, that makes, because like, I, I have to admit, like, after going to conference after conference, like, it does get a little repetitive. A lot of what you're doing, you know, that's why you hear about the hallway track as being like the track that a lot of people go to is like, you've been to these talks before. And even if the speakers are really good, and it, it kind of feels even like, for me, it feels a little bad cuz like i know how much effort these people put into these presentations and how i like i want to support them and participate but at the same time i don't know making that hallway part of the the conference have some intrigue some interest just sounds fun
0: so instead of the idea being what if you could get Everybody at strange loop to install some app that like made them collect meow meow beans or whatever it is (laughs) What if what if the idea is can we get everybody at strange loop to stop using whatever programming language? They're currently using and instead switch to intercal Mm. Can that be the challenge we take upon ourselves?
1: We make all presenters we change all of their code slides to be intercal examples instead right Get everybody to change every single slide to be an intercal slide because it would be so much more readable. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Yes, I and so uh, you know this was that that was a nice segue into our paper today.
0: Well, except for the fact that the the intercal paper is very upfront about it not being at all readable. Like that is uh, that is one thing they're very good at is is literally admitting the unreadability of it.
1: I mean, yes, of course they know that it's unreadable, but but it's also it has overwhelming power. power overwhelm. Okay, so intercal is this esoteric language. It's maybe like the first esoteric language. And the manual is what we're reading today. Mm -hmm. I I don't think any other language I can think of would have a manual that I would want to have on this podcast.
0: Yeah, the manual for C++ is not what we're going to be doing (laughs) for next year's April 1st episode.
1: That would be a good April 1st episode.
0: Just, no.
1: Just, no. Like, that (laughs) thing is, like, 1,100 pages. I might even be underestimating how big the spec for C++ is. If we took the time to sit and read every single word and, like, the 20-hour recording that would be and just put that out there as an episode, oh, my gosh, that would be great. So, So Intercal...
0: Yeah, Intercal.
1: Yeah, Intercal starts off with, I think... And I think I've probably said this about other people's, but I think this actually has to win my favorite introduction, just because it sounds like like Law and Order, SVU, or like, <laughs> like these like these like crime shows. It's like. The names you are about to ignore are true. However, the story has been changed significantly. Any resemblance of the programming language portrayed here to other programming languages, living or dead, is purely coincidental.
0: Dun-dun! <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly! Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, like,
0: yeah, it, it tells you, you're, you're reading a programming manual, you're reading the Intercal Programming Language Reference Manual, 1973, uh, but... You know, do not expect a typical programming language reference manual. You are in for a treat.
1: So we get the intro,
0: we get kind of this
1: origin and purpose, but I think the question every listener is asking is like, what does intercal stand for? Well, I guess they might not know because it's all caps.
0: Mm-hmm. In in the grand tradition of Fortran, basic, COBOL, Algol, snowball, spitball, which I'd never heard of. That's a real one. Focal, solve, teach, Apple? (laughs) What's the one? It's spelled A-P-L, but it's got to be pronounced No, I shouldn't make jokes about stuff that's not Uh, funny. (laughs) This (laughs) this episode's going to be so (laughs) loaded with jokes. Now, wait a second. Wait, was that joke actually going to be funny if I did it enough times? Anyways.
1: Lisp and... Oh, wait. When we were talking about Apple versus Mac or versus Microsoft, you PC, like you weren't talking about this Apple?
0: No, I was talking about APL. Yeah. I thought
1: the whole time you were. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh-oh.
0: It's going to be my new, like, uh, the, the name of the authors of this paper, Donald R. Woodsy and James M. Leone, uh, to bring that one back. Yeah. So in the in the grand tradition of those languages, it's INTERCAL, all caps.
1: Just remember all caps when you spell the man name. Yes, which stands for... Compiler language with no pronounceable acronym. INTERCAL.
0: <laughs> <sighs> yep. The paper starts off just fine. You know how I usually like to complain about, you know, some format or something like that in the, in the design of the paper. But this paper starts with a bang. Format is nice. Sections are really short. There's actually some acknowledgments here. They acknowledge somebody named Daniel J. Warmenhoven
1: and Eric M. Van.
0: Yeah, whoever that is. But like the Daniel J. Warmenhoven, apparently there's some kind of like Warmenhoven logic or something like that that we're going to run into later in the paper. And I went Googling for it and I couldn't find anything. But is that, had you ever heard of this, Jimmy, the like the Warmenhoven logic?
1: Oh, I assumed that was a joke.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: Yeah. And their thanks are without whose unwitting assistance to this manual would still have been possible.
0: Without whose unwitting assistance, this manual would still have been possible.
1: Yes, I read that wrong. Let's get a clean take. Without whose unwitting assistance, this manual would still have been possible.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And so I assume they're like I assume Daniel J. Warmenhoven is someone they know, and they're kind of making fun of in hmm. this manual. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. calling it Warmenhoven logic is like that guy doesn't know what logic is.
0: Uh, yeah, or maybe he's the person who came up with that particular idea for how Boolean logic should work. In was it Booleans? I think it was Booleans.
1: It's not Boolean. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Warmenhoven. It's for value.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not even a three value logic. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. We'll get to the four value <laughs> logic. Yeah. And then we've got some basic concepts. Um, um,
1: okay. Hold on. I think we got to take a step. So, like this paper, I, I feel like, are we going to go through this sequentially?
0: That's a good question.
1: I know that's what we often do, but this is a manual. And, like, yes, it does a good job introducing itself, but is our goal for the listener to learn how to program an Intercal?
0: I would like to think that it is. Like if there was going to be a podcast that somebody could listen to and come out the other side knowing how to program intercal, I would like it to be our podcast. That would be a nice thing to put on the tombstone of our podcast. Listeners learned how to program in intercal. <laughs> Seems on brand. <laughs> maybe, maybe a good way to, um, to contextualize why Jimmy and I are wondering if this would be a good idea is to read the following passage. Uses for intercal... Intercal's main advantage over other programming languages is its strict simplicity. You know, simplicity, really important, as we have learned recently. It has few capabilities, and thus there are few restrictions to be kept in mind. Since it is an exceedingly easy language to learn, one might expect it would be a good language for initiating novice programmers. Perhaps surprising, then, is the fact that it would be more likely to initiate a novice into a search for another line of work so uh yeah the the thing to know about this language is it is nigh incomprehensible like to actually look at the source code for it it's a real treat of a nightmare and so maybe one thing we could do is like explain for the listener who cannot see this monstrosity of source code why it is so nightmarish and i think like an easy place to start with is there's kind of two things or three things that comprise this language. One of them is uh, some statements that are like, is that would that be the right word for it, uh, Jimmy? Like the please and the do and the next and that kind of thing. Would I call those statements? Yeah. With a name for do or whatever.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, they could be. Or like a keyword or something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, they might be. They're They're kind of keywords. I think, you know, each line might be a statement.
0: Or like a command or something. Yeah. And so there's those kind of things. There's some words, and we'll talk about some of those words in a minute. And then there are some symbols that have certain meanings like, oh, the numbers following this symbol represent a 16-bit integer, or the numbers following this symbol represent a 32-bit integer. And then you have numbers. And the thing with these numbers is they are both used as, or I shouldn't say both, they are used as like literal values but they are also used as labels for lines of code, but they are also used as addresses or something. Okay, I
1: think I think one good way to get readers in the right mindset here, and I will only say this once so that <laughs> editor Ivan doesn't have to edit too much, uh-huh. is to think of the language brain f- or BF, <laughs> yes. right?
0: Yes, okay.
1: Okay, so. I have never had the little noise put over my voice, so yes,
0: you have. you've sworn. <laughs> no, I haven't. Really? Really, really? Yeah, no, really. You've never sworn.
1: I mean, maybe i've I've done it. I, it's never made it into an episode. Hmm. Pretty darn sure. Hmm. Anyways, hmm. Uh, well,
0: let's start it let's start a new trend.
1: Okay. I'm pretty sure it has not made it into an episode if I have. But so bF is seen as this like very hard to read language. And, and it is only because there's like this condensing of symbols, right? If you actually like think about how it works and you like changed the names and made it have a certain syntax, it wouldn't be that hard to think about conceptually. That's why it's a really easy compiler target, right? If you want to write a language and compile it into BF, it's not that bad. Intercal takes this to a whole nother level. Yes, it has weird syntax. Yes, there's a bunch of punctuation that is like very esoteric and weird. So like if you want to write uh, one, you write point one. So that's just, you know, dot one or, or spot one. Spot
0: one. And that's another thing we're going to have to talk about is that the different symbols all have great names, yes. like really good, clear, helpful names. So the, the period is spot. Yeah yeah
1: so we got we got spot one and and spot one and spot zero 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 one are the same number. So it's like not only is it like weird syntactically, it's like ambiguous intentionally, and there's lots of varieties of way of writing things. But then you don't even get like typical structures like go to's, et cetera. You have to force other features to emulate those things. And so there's all sorts of things like to forget, to abstain. There's like these weird commands that like, if you combine them together in the right order, you can get a go-to.
0: It's it's almost like a language designed to let you create as many different kinds of go-to-esque surprise jumps around in your execution as possible.
2: Hey, I'm um, really sorry to interrupt. Uh, I couldn't help but just notice quite a lot of these features of this intercal paper. I've sort of seen them pop up in your podcast as well. It, it really messes with the formula of what a paper should be in some similar ways to the Future of Coding podcast. So you can't just sort of go through these features in the same sort of way as you usually do, right? You, you've got to do something a, a little bit different here, surely.
0: I. I guess you're right, like I was, I was, as we were talking about this paper, starting to struggle with how do we even introduce it. It is such a, a weird paper, but we're in an audio medium, and so I don't really know how to convey that weird feeling of reading. You know, I could just sit here and literally read mesh65535 five, 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 skiggle mesh65535 five, 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 rabbit ears spark skiggle spark mesh65535 five, 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 bookworm rabbit ears 2spot5 i could read out the source code but that just doesn't have the same concrete poetic texture as the actual text of this programming language and then the paper itself like the paper is written in this voice that is mostly serious like this is a programming language that you can run and there are actual implemented compilers of it, and people have written working programs in this language. And yet at the same time, the whole language and the paper is clearly a joke. It's absurd, it's not meant to be real.
1: Like on page five, we have a table of all the logical operators, but it's literally just an ASCII art table with a bunch of random logic operators positioned on the table.
0: When Jimmy says ASCII art table, he means like, a flat surface with four legs. Yes, yes. Like, like your kitchen table. Isometric perspective drawn with slashes and, and underscores and such. On the surface of which is written the actual logical operators for this language, the different logical gates. That's that Wormenhoven logic.
2: I'm just wondering if there's some way you could show the weirdness of this paper and demonstrate it to us to us by by messing around messing around with the, with the podcast. Podcast format format a little bit. A little bit.
0: That's an interesting question. It hadn't occurred to me, but that's actually a really good idea. By messing with the podcast format, by doing something that feels sort of <laughs> Semi-serious, but also different from other podcasts. That would actually be a kind of an, an accurate portrayal of this paper.
2: That might just be the easier thing for humanity on the whole.
0: InterCal, compiler language with no pronounceable acronym. It was inspired by one ambition, to have a compiler language which has nothing at all in common with any other major language. We could do a podcast episode that has nothing at all in common with any other major podcast. Section 4.1 seems pretty relevant here. Statements may be entered in free format. That is, more than one statement may occur on a single card and a statement may begin on one card and end on a later one. Note that if this is done, all intervening cards and portions thereof must be part of the same statement. That this restriction is necessary is immediately apparent from the following example of what might occur if statements could be interlaced. And there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, gobbledygook—sorry, I mean uh, intercal code—followed by the the writing, The above statements are obviously meaningless. For that matter, so are the statements
2: Welcome to the Future of Coding. Welcome to the Future of Code. I mean, Future of Coding. Welcome to the Future of Coding. This is Lou Wilson, or Luke Wilson, either's fine. Today, in this episode, we are going to switch things up a bit. I was at dinner with a few friends of mine, and they had this wacky suggestion that I bring in a few guests to take some of this podcast work off my plate, and at the same time scale it up so that there could be more conversations from different perspectives. I thought it was a great idea. One person immediately came to mind. Ivan Reese has been a listener of this podcast and part of the Future of Coding community, I think, since the beginning. At least, that's how it feels to me. He's always been a really positive and encouraging voice and someone that I can always count on for sharp feedback and a thoughtful perspective. I have somehow come to really trust his taste on things. It's kind of a subtle thing that I can't put my finger on which makes him a perfect person to be a guest on this podcast. And also, I've asked Jimmy Miller to come on. By his own words, he's a big fan of the show and doesn't really have any work to showcase. Okay, but... Perfect. Okay, but this oh, is so, I love that. That's so weird. That's
0: so good. That's so
2: weird. This is, this is like maybe too meta though. Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. That is the... That's f- because, so uh, weird.
2: All I've done there... Yeah, you've read Steve's introduction of me and then Jimmy's introduction <laughs> of himself. Yeah.
1: I love it. Yeah. That makes me so
2: happy. I mean, the thing is that, that might not suit being so early on. Because like, th- this is touching on what I was saying, which, you know, you, you, you obviously, it's it's your podcast, but like the, the personal aspect of like, why, why are we here, you know?
1: I will just say, don't exclude the one introducing you and introducing me because you feel like it's self-flattering to you uh, or something. And then, you know, deg- I love it. I love it. No, I just, I think, like, don't think it's like, you know, downplaying me or whatever. I think it's hilarious and wonderful.
0: I appreciate that, Jimmy. That will help me. If I do decide that it's better for the episode to have that in it, then I won't have to worry about you being offended. Yeah, yeah. Don't
1: think it's like...
0: I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: Don't, I, I honestly think it's wonderful and I love the the contrast there. I thought it was great.
0: No, I get that it mythologizes you by being like, <laughs> and then there's Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I get the I get the appeal. It's
2: just always here, you know.
1: <laughs> I just want to say this is after goto considered harmful, which might be why they removed goto from the language.
0: From Intercal?
1: Yeah, Intercal doesn't have goto.
0: I thought Intercal wouldn't have goto because other languages had goto, and they weren't allowed to use.
2: Yeah, any... yeah, but like a secondary reason. Um, I believe there was a follow up. C intercal implementation, which added in come from functionality. So as goto was considered harmful, they thought, well, let's do come from instead. So instead of going to a specific line, you can sort of flip that around on its head.
0: Come from was eventually implemented in the C intercal variant of the esoteric programming language intercal so that top of uh page 15 it's like for the user looking to become more familiar with the intercal language i i want to like rephrase that as like for the listener looking to become more familiar with the uh, it could be this
2: podcast i mean they're gonna need a lot of help for this episode <laughs> <laughs>
1: So hold on, if you do come from, how does it actually like rearrange the control flow so that like that comes before? How does this work?
0: Oh, yeah, you're a compiler engineer. You're going to care about that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I thought about, I didn't have time, uh, but I did think about making a compile to intercal language. I just think that would be, I have not seen it as a compiler target. Mm and it would be so fun. And there's like that there's a project that I can't remember that has like all these backends for compiler things so you can like write in like this little C and then compile them to all the esoteric languages and they didn't have intercal and I thought that would be a fun one to add because like having to emulate all these features but like intentionally trying to make the program as like ridiculous as you could. Right? Don't try to make a simple little output. Like take advantage of the beauty of the simplicity of Intercal. Right. And use ambiguous features like spots and double spots and wax and wanes and the double oh seven.
0: So that's actually that's it's good that we're starting to talk about these sigils because there's a couple of things that I want to go over. And I think it'd be worth going over. Uh, first, probably the the different um, statements. So that being like next and do and that sort of thing. I think I think we should run through those because I think they're interesting to think about from the perspective of like if you you know future of coding community were going to be designing your own programming language, say what could you learn from the statements in Intercal and 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 how would you design a, a better programming language? having learned about these statements perhaps just using these statements
1: yeah please abstain from remembering
0: <laughs> to forget yes <clears throat> so so the first thing to know is that basically every statement has to start with an identifier and the identifiers are do please or please do. So anytime you're going to write some code, you have to begin by saying do this or please this or please do this. Um, and and uh, I can't remember if you mentioned it already in this episode, Jimmy. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's like a, a version of the compiler where if you say please too many times the compiler will refuse to to compile your program because it thinks you're being kind of um, pleading. Too polite. Yeah, too polite. But if you don't say please enough times, it will also refuse to compile your program. So you have to alternate between saying do and please and please do to get the right number of pleases to satisfy the compiler. And uh, you can also follow these identifiers with either the strings not or the string N apostrophe T, which I thought it was just being like Shakespearean, like you know how in Shakespeare, like they'll say ambition that 'er oerleaps itself and they'll like take a letter out of the word to make the syllables match what you needed to match. I thought the exclusion of the O from not was just them being poetic. And then I was reading through the rest of the paper, and I was seeing these examples of them saying, like, don't. And I was like, where, where did don't come from? And I'm like, oh, it's just the an apostrophe T stuck after a do. Um, <laughs> that, that makes so much sense. This is like a, a very eminently practical, reasonable thing to do in a programming language.
1: It couldn't be Shakespearean either, because there's already a S.O. Lang Shakespeare. And this has to be different, not just from languages that existed at the time, but all future languages as well.
0: I assume. Yeah, that's a good constraint to put on. Yeah, uh-huh. Good future of coding challenge. Can you design a programming language? So that nobody can make a programming language like it. Yeah.
1: Yes. And InterCal accomplished it. You're not allowed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you try, your computer will burst into flames. I, I, I know this from, from, from doing it.
0: Use, use, you. let's make this topical, use AI, use one of these web search aware AIs that in the compiler checks the rest of the internet to see if another programming language exists that's similar to your programming language. And as soon as another programming language like it exists, refuses to compile your program anymore.
1: Mm. There you go. I like that idea. I also get really annoyed with people complaining about Oh, compiled versus interpreted languages mean nothing. So I've really wanted to make an <laughs> SO lang that you have to interpret. And like, if you com- try to compile it at all, the com- the program itself will error.
0: You could do that with uh, like some kind of compile time macro that didn't halt.
1: Yeah, I feel like I come up with some ways, but I feel like you have to end up doing this like trusting trust thing.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: that's a different paper for a different time. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, make it so that everyone has to run some program that will like Trojan horse, the bad stuff into their program. And, and yeah, I don't know. There, there'd there be some fun things. I feel like that's uh, in the spirit of this. I mean, intercal, I think, okay. So we've talked about some of the weird stuff in it, but I think the best part about it is the lack of seriousness that they put in the paper while also the, like, thoughtfulness of all these features. I feel like so many times when we see an SO Lang, it's like, like, like BF is, is a wonderful language, but it's just like, can I take a stack machine and turn it into this? Here we get these features that are just, honestly, you almost want to like them. You almost want to use them. They sound like they might be helpful. You can, like, abstain from doing something. And it says like if if I say abstain from stashing, nobody can stash. And you can imagine being like abstain from IO. Nobody can do IO right now. And yet, every time they like introduce this feature, it's like rigorous and interesting, and yet absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> And I I just, I think this is, this is something we don't have a good enough, like, I I don't think you could make an intercal today that quite captured the beauty that they have. And, And it's not, and I think it's because we don't have both the seriousness and the humor in our, our programming world. And I love seeing things that bring back both of those elements.
2: I've been sitting with this theory for a few months now. And I I don't know if it's true or not. So I'm just trying it. Um, And it's this, it's that how a programming language or tool makes us feel is really undervalued in how popular that programming language becomes or how useful it is or how, how much we feel motivated to learn it. I've tried having this sort of viewpoint when asking people about their favorite programming languages or what they think about tools. So take TypeScript, for example. Um, A lot of people tell me they love TypeScript. It's the best thing in the world. They never want to put it down. And I also know plenty of people who tell me they hate it. They could never switch to it. They're they're stuck in JavaScript land. I started to try to understand these viewpoints of how does TypeScript make each of these people feel? Some people, it makes them feel safe and comfortable and warm inside because the type checker looks out for them. It puts them on the right path. And some people feel like they're fighting with it the whole time. They're constantly getting their paperwork handed back to them with lots of red writing over it saying, you did this wrong and you didn't do this and you didn't do this. Neither of those sort of experiences relates to how it helped you write a program. It was actually just how it felt. And I think it's really funny to see InterCal here being objectively quite rubbish for actually making real programs. But even so, just from how fun it seems to many people, there are multiple compilers out uh, for this out in the world. There are people who have written papers on it. Here we are. Sitting in different places in the world, talking about it, not for its usefulness, but how it makes us feel, potentially. And like I said, I'm not sure if I believe that theory, but more and more, it seems to relate to a lot of these programming languages out there.
1: I think I might... I, I think I might buy that theory. I think you've you've hit on something that I've been thinking about for a while. I mentioned it with, um, oh, why did I just blink out on the Zachtronics game that I did play? Um, Exapunks. 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 Yeah. Exapunks is this, you know, you have these tiny little robots with this tiny little assembly language, and yet I loved programming in it. Like you get like two registers and one's supposed to be for other things, but you can reuse it. And yet I felt so good programming in it. And like, I still like wish I were programming in it. <laughs> uh, like, like even though I know it's the most impractical thing and you know, like it doesn't, it it felt good. And I, I think that you're really onto something here. And I, I think that this is something that is often ignored. And and I think Because it's ignored, people also think and I, you know, have continued to believe like there's one true programming paradigm, one true way of programming that you ought to do because it's just superior technically. And I, I think you're right. These how we feel about the language really affects it. And I think that shows something about the language, but it also shows something about the way we can change our attitudes towards that language and learn to love it more.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I think um, I I was always unsure about how I felt about stricter languages like Rust and TypeScript compared to JavaScript. And I would find myself hating them when I sat down to use them. I would uh, sit down to do some Rust and I would feel bruised emotionally and physically afterwards from smacking myself on my, my head on my keyboard. Why don't you just let me make a thing? You know, it it felt like I'd just been beaten up each time I used it. And um, I think more and more I'm realising that in certain situations, I don't want someone checking my work or guiding me through certain hoops. And in some situations, I really do. And it feels great to have someone looking out for me, looking out for my back. And Rust is keeping me on the right path. The holy, humble path, you know. (laughs) <laughs> the safe path <laughs> does that make sense look i'm i'm just i'm just one person and it's just one theory but uh, give it a go see, see if it works for you
1: i've constantly changed languages in my like be, even before i had a career in programming right like i started on like action script uh, and PHP, and then I learned Java and Python. And I, I loved the idea of exploring languages. And there were certain ones that just, they just felt better. And it's not because I understood them more. It's not because I was better at programming in them. I was often worse. But they, they had this feel about them. Like the reason that I end up changing language is not because like, oh, it can't do something that I want to do. It's because I want to feel a different way. Like, I, I've been feeling this same way for so long, and I get bored of it. So, like, closure is a beautiful language that I used for a very long time. But I was always in that, like, I can just hack on anything mode. And, like, I could. I can just, like, pop up a closure REPL, and I can whip out any program that I am feeling at the moment. But, like, the the discipline of Rust made me feel... And then at the end, like it got all I got this like fast running artifact. I felt like a wizard, right? Like I, it was very different from yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, I love this idea. And I think I think it's something we we kind of almost act in programming like emotions and feelings don't matter for these technical choices. And so yeah, I, I like for me this is I I love this idea.
2: I think this feelings thing is relevant to Intercal in another way. One of the biggest things that they communicate is how they feel about the programming languages of the time and how it feels to learn them and to have people around you talking about them, using them. This feeling of different symbols being completely overwhelming and confusing, standards seeming quite arbitrary. Whether those choices over standards and symbols are good or bad or something else it certainly f- can feel overwhelming and confusing and frustrating. I think some of that feeling comes across in the paper. I read that they wrote this up or they came up with the initial draft on the morning after doing some final exams. So maybe after slogging away, learning lots of strange things which might seem irrelevant. Yeah, I think that's why it this paper still resonates quite a lot with me now, because that's I get some of that feeling sometimes when I'm learning something new. I think, why is it like this? Or it just is. That doesn't always feel great, but it it doesn't always matter either. It's just a feeling.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it has a distinct flavor of the 70s, right? Like, I feel like if you made something like this today as a commentary on what it feels like to do other languages, I don't know, I feel like it would be like installing like 12 tools in order to get started
2: Yeah, you have to install the installer for the language to install the installer, 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 for the language to install... install There's a really helpful tool called create react app that does that for you but to install create react app <laughs> you have to use the create create react app app i love this idea
1: uh you know not bootstrapping a compiler bootstrapping your
0: bootstrap system it's just factory factory abstract factory factory all over again uh-huh. yeah
1: yeah Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I did pop in, uh, I copied and pasted some Intercal to chat GPT-4, and it could not explain
0: it to me. Uh, now you should copy and paste it uh, into Donald R. Woods and James M. Lyon and see if they can explain it for you, because I, I bet they couldn't either.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody out there that fluently reads Intercal.
0: I'm not. <laughs> That's, that's a bold prediction, Jimmy. That's the most cancelable take on this entire episode. You're sure <laughs> that there's somebody out there who can fluently read Intercal?
2: Yeah. I think I have something on that. Uh-oh. Yeah, there's, there was an interview with one of them. Not James, the other one. Donald. There was an interview with Donald, and he said, quote voice, I don't feel like I have a following though every once in a while I do get caught off guard by someone turning out to be an enthusiastic InterCal geek. Occasionally, InterCal-style guides appear as a joke on some companies, like he said um, that there was one at Google alongside guides for C++, Java, and other languages. So I think there are uh, small pockets of InterCal enthusiasts out there.
1: I mean, people can read APL, no problem. Or sorry, Apple. Apple, yeah, right, and that has like a bunch of symbols, and like you have to memorize a bunch of stuff. I, I feel like there's definitely somebody out there, and, and I'm sure there are productive programs that somebody wrote in in intercal as a joke, as a way of spiting their coworker because they didn't want their coworker messing with their program. I hope, this is a hope, I hope there's like an important business process out there somewhere <laughs> that is an intercal program that runs daily that like keeps this, you know, billion dollar business uh, propped up. I've seen code that's just as bad. <laughs> I worked on a code base where I kid you not, the program did nothing in, in its normal text, right? So like it was like this, it was a C-sharp application And it was the craziest class hierarchy you've ever seen. I think the highest, like the level of inheritance depth was 14. But every single method in every single file of this big hierarchy was empty. (laughs) They all did nothing. And you, you open this up and you think it's a joke. Like, why? Why would there be these methods that do nothing? And it's because... That was the structure they were going to use reflection on in some other program. They would include this library. They would build up this big hierarchy. They would do reflection. And then they'd make a pipe delimited string that they'd send over a socket. (laughs) And so like, that's how this guy always programmed. Like this was all his stuff was like weird where it was just like this crazy nested complicated mess that then like did one little thing over here and it would be so confusing to read. I think he went for the maximal surprise every time. So like you'd figure that
0: out. Oh, okay. So it was like a bit.
1: Yeah, it it really had to be. Like there's no way it's not. He would, you would figure that out and then you'd go into the next line of code and it's literally, I'm not joking, it was copy the whole entire database and filter anything out that's before the launch date of this application. If somebody like this exists, someone's got to be out there slinging intercal day to day, and nobody has any idea.
2: If that person is you, please get in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on the show.
0: We have some questions. <laughs> okay, so I I have some questions. I have some specific questions that I would like your help answering. So you've both read the paper.
1: Presumptuous, but okay.
0: I'm going to be honest. I did attempt to actually go through this paper and then Jimmy derailed us and then Lou derailed us. And so I'm 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 going to be the villain here and say I tried, listener. I tried to get us to seriously reflect on this paper and my co-hosts here just wanted to have fun and goof around and make some kind of weirdness. And I was trying to do like a like a serious educational product. (laughs) So I was going to go through the statements. Next, forget, resume, stash, retrieve, ignore, remember, abstain, reinstate, give up. Those are the statements that you can use in InterCal. And they're basically all go to or don't go to in some fashion or another. (laughs) Uh, Like, for instance, give up is the one you use to terminate. So it's like go to nothingness. Abstain is like, hey, if you encounter this other statement, don't execute that statement. So you can say, please abstain from stashing. And then if somebody some other line of code does a stash, it just skips that line. Yes, I know I'm I'm simplifying and skipping some of the details. You don't have to be pedantic. (laughs) I see the face you're making, Jimmy. (laughs) Um, And then you can reinstate, which is the inverse of an abstain. So if you do want to stash now, you can say, please reinstate stashing.
1: Um, But this one I have to pause on Mm -hmm. because the documentation is very clear. We're getting into the details. The documentation is very clear on the arguments that abstain takes. So it either takes a line label or a garoon. I never know how you say this word. Gerund. Gerund. I, I've always seen it written. It's
0: when you take a noun and turn it into a verb by putting ing at the end. So if the statement is stash, you turn it into a gerund by saying stashing. Uh, a gerund list.
1: No other form of argument is permitted. For example, the following is an invalid argument. Now this is the best this is the best argument I have seen, and I, I just love this.
0: It's time for James
1: And it might not translate as well into audio, but I don't care, because I have to read it. Okay. Given x does not equal zero and y does not equal zero, prove that x plus y equals zero. Now you might be thinking that's not possible. Like they 0 plus 0 is 0. But you can have like negative 5 and 5, right? And they could they could equal 0. Right? You add them together. Cool. So Since x does not equal 0, then x plus 1 does not equal 1. Okay. X plus a does not equal a. Mm-hmm. Good. And x plus y does not equal y. Great. But what is y? Y is anything but zero. Thus, X plus Y does not equal anything but zero, and since X plus Y cannot equal anything but zero, X plus Y equals zero. QED. Just, just like <laughs> clap. Like this is a, this is an invalid argument to to reinstate. Yes, you can't
0: pass this argument to reinstate.
1: You can't pass it to either abstain or reinstate, but it, it's a great argument, and you should use it uh, daily. It's an invalid <laughs> argument. <laughs> But that's what's so good about it. (laughs) It's the best (laughs) invalid argument to reinstate, but it's a valid argument. Otherwise. Prove me wrong.
0: (laughs) So I had that highlighted in yellow because I knew you were going to read it on the show.
1: (laughs) I also had it highlighted in yellow because I knew I was going to read it.
0: Ooh. Lou, did you have it highlighted in yellow knowing that your colors are different from our colors?
2: I I had it highlighted in green because I highlight everything in green. If I like it, it's green. If I don't like it, it's green. And if Jimmy's going to read it, then it's also green.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That way, I'm always right. That's a good point. Yeah. um, The safest move is to highlight the whole paper. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I had some questions about the statement uh, design that I wanted to ask because I think it would be helpful for other folks in the community when they are designing their own InterCal-esque programming languages to kind of understand the, the design space here in InterCal. So why does remember counteract ignore? So, if you say, like, do ignore some variable names. So, if you have variable one, two, three, and you say, do ignore one, two, three, and then later on you try and add one, two, three, and four, five, six, it's going to not do that addition. So, that's ignore. And then remember reverses the effect of ignore. Then there's also forget, which is. Oh yeah, so when you right, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious.
1: I don't know why you're having to look this up.
0: All right, so I've, I've the problem is I've written this uh, this this question backwards. <laughs> so I will read it back to front, and that will make <laughs> more sense. So there's the statement next, which is like a jump to a subroutine kind of thing. You say next, and you give it some number, and it's going to jump to that statement label. So if you say I have you know statement label you know, blah, blah, blah over here. And I say next, blah, blah, blah. After that next line executes, it's gonna jump over to blah, blah, blah and continue execution from over there. And so let's say you do your little jump thing. And then you can um, come back from a jump by saying resume. And so the way that that works is when you next, there's a little stack that remembers like, hey, where were you when you nexted? And then you can say resume and it jumps you back to where you came from by popping off that stack. But you can also say forget which is, you know, pop off that stack, but don't go anywhere. So it's like you can jump around and then forget where you came from. And so we've got next and resume are sort of for jumping back and forth. And then forget is for saying like, don't do not do any more of that jumping back. Uh, and then we have ignore, which is like, don't manipulate this variable. And then remember, which is like, no, actually, wait, do manipulate that variable again. So we've got forget counteracts next and resume and remember counteracts ignore doesn't that confuse you because wouldn't you find it more sensical if forget and remember were the ones that were connected (laughs) and then there was some other word for countering a next and resume like maybe um like don't go back or something like that and go (laughs) back instead of resume uh, yeah, I, I found that part of the design of intercal confusing, is that they, they remember and forget our unrelated concepts.
2: I have to be honest, Ivan, just hearing you say that really put me into some sort of trance-like state where I thought I was in an intercal fever dream. Um, but it, to answer your question, I I forget um what I was going to say about that. <laughs> so, And I'll... I would relive that whole thing if I could. <laughs>
0: You'll get the chance. So if if,
1: if I'm going to, you know, be more pedantic than you, uh, then I can continue on this. So next and resume are the two pairs, right? Forget is kind of separate from that. Forget happens to do some stuff with next, with stashing.
0: No, not with stashing.
1: <laughs> stashing, well. Uh- St- sorry, sorry. Not with stashing. My bad. Use the wrong <laughs> words. With the stack. With, with the, the stack. stack. Yeah with the stack yeah it happens to do some stuff with the stack but it's a little different than that because resume doesn't take an argument just like next jumps and then resume is pop off the stack from the next forget is more complicated agreed sure cool then we got ignore and remember and so your question is like why not forget and remember And it's because there is no, if you forgot something, how are you going to remember it? Mm. (laughs) Right? You can't. If you're ignoring something, I can remember the thing I was ignoring because I still have it in the back of my mind. Right? I'm ignoring it. It's a choice. If I forgot, (laughs) there's no way to get that back.
0: Well, if if you're ignoring, the thing that counteracts being ignored, maybe it'd be like apologize. Like you ignore these variables and then you apologize to them and that means, you know, okay, now those variables are are allowed to participate in your program again. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, it's not that you think that you're sliding these things. Maybe they want to be ignored. Maybe
1: they're that emo kid over in the corner <laughs> who doesn't want you to talk to them right now. Because they're they're listening to their music in their head. I, I, I ignore stops effects from happening to variables. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't want to be affected. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just assume you have to apologize for not affecting me? That is, I mean that that just seems that seems very uh,
0: rude of you, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure that out. I think if I get, if I, the thing that I want for sure, the, th- the thing that I want for sure is I, I don't have uh, an intercal REPL, uh, but one of the ones that I wanted to test is, so it says that you're not allowed to say, do abstain from giving up. Like that's not accepted. And I think I figured out the reason why um, it's because it wouldn't be do abstain from giving up. It would be do abstain from give upping. And so I'm curious if we could like, if we had a, a REPL or if we had a lion or a woods, if we could say do abstain from give upping to it and if that would work.
1: There's an online, <gasps> yeah, do, you... so you want do abstain from give upping
0: it's a grammatical error when they say do abstain from giving up
2: i mean that that's a tricky one to debug even if you have access to a REPL right because as we all know any invalid lines of code Mm -hmm. just get ignored so how would you you'd need to put something after it to fully test this right
0: yeah like remember and then whatever that statement was because if it gets ignored then you counteract the ignore with a remember. <laughs> Absolutely. So
1: I got an undecodable statement has been encountered in the course of execution when I did do abstain from give upping.
0: Mm, that's unfortunate because that is clearly the pattern that the mm. gerundification implies uh, should be correct in this circumstance.
1: Now, what? let me see. So do abstain from give... Give up? What was it? Say? What did it say was
0: invalid? Do abstain from giving up, which is grammatically meaningless.
1: Uh, yeah, same error. For what it's worth. Mm,
0: okay. Can you try? Please abstain from please.
1: Uh, well, sorry. Hold on. My program is overly polite. I gotta <laughs> fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the same uh, undefined error. Um, and if I type in I for gore. Uh, no, sadly, it also does not recognize for gore. (laughs) All
0: right, I've got one more for you to test, which is... So you know how you can put N apostrophe T at the end of do? So you can say do, Uh and then you put N apostrophe T, which makes it don't, as in like don't. So you could say like, don't give up, like that. What if you put N apostrophe T at the end of please, and so you get pleasant? So you could say pleasant give up.
1: Uh, so first off, when I said don't give up, I got...
0: The program has gotten
1: lost on the way to who knows where. Ah, nice. <laughs> so that's, it. that's nice. And then, uh, hold on, pleasant.
0: Spelled P-L-E-A-S-E-N apostrophe T.
1: Uh, hold on, I got to remove another. I'm still overly polite because I have a new please. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I think it worked. I don't know what it did.
0: All right, so you can say... But it doesn't give me an error there. So the nice way to say don't is to say pleasant. I like that. That's a a very Mm -hmm. nice feeling language Mm -hmm. uh, detail.
1: Uh, So my favorite is, which I, I don't know how to recreate, but my favorite error in here... Is that if you overflow the stack...
0: Uh, yes. A program attempting to initiate an 80th level of the next stack will result in the fatal error message, Program has disappeared into the Black Lagoon. Uh,
1: meta note. I think that's how we should end the podcast. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Like, we gotta somehow, like, go up 80 levels...
0: Cool. Yes. <laughs> oh, sh- no, because that's going to be me having to do that. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs>
0: that sounds hard. Um, yeah, because I think the most we've done is four. I think we've done four levels of meta-commentary. and This is going to top that, but that's uh, 80s a lot.
2: I feel like we need to, uh, we need to, <laughs> I mean, sorry to interrupt, but just to remind you of what I was saying earlier, So far, I don't think we've quite matched the fourth wall breaking of the paper. We've had a good chat. We've talked about our feelings, which is nice. But I don't think we're... Ivan, come on. I've listened to your podcasts. Some of them go really, really weird. To match this, it needs to be a lot weirder, basically.
0: Would you like to respond to that?
2: Would I like to respond to that? Uh, yeah. Thanks, Lou. That's all well and good. But it's quite awkward recording these things. What if it all falls flat? At the end of the day, if the jokes don't land... Then we're just... What do you... Come on, try my best here.
0: I'm a frequent editor of your podcast, Future of Coding, and I I often struggle to... Future of Code. F- uh, sorry, Future... You sure? Future of Code?
2: I mean, that's how most people refer to it in my circles.
0: That's something we should probably work on. Yeah, when, when when editing your episodes, I'm often struggling to come up with ways to make them sufficiently weird, and I'm just... I'm wondering if you have any ideas for things that we can do...
2: I guess the, the main thing that I think is important to think about when you're trying to do some sort of meta-commentary is figure out what do you think? What do you want to say? You know, this this paper is a bit of fun, but they had something to say about the programming languages of the time. You've got very strong ideas about programming and what it should be, like the, uh, the little tool that you refuse to say the name of that you're working on. (laughs) Little tool. (laughs) Do you not just wanna say the name and say what you think programming should be?
0: This is good. I'm gonna actually, uh, I'm gonna take this and do stuff with it.
1: you see how he <laughs> still dodges yeah. the question, just, right? I'm just, I'm, Every yeah. time <sighs> you try to get him to talk about it, I do this. There's been a couple ones that have just been edited out. Oh yeah, where I try to to go to him to talk about his own
0: thing. They're not edited out. They're in the wormhole. And in fact, let me uh, let me just check <laughs> yeah, my which like, I
1: don't, which still hasn't happened
0: it's never gonna happen yeah the the wormhole uh the blood thing at the time of releasing this episode either is opening soon or has opened recently connect the umbilical cord to this little mechanical arm as you get close to the ghosts the baby starts getting stressed out and crying and you have to take it out and kind of
2: you could be doing a meta thing there like whatever you want to do with what i just said And then I could literally just come and interrupt that thing, say, sorry to interrupt, Ivan, but I can just tell you're trying to avoid this topic by adding in some more like meta layers to try and shield yourself from talking about this uh, project. I mean, um, now's your time, now's your moment.
0: The thing that really pains me about having to edit this and put this together is that at some point, it's inevitable that I'm going to have to explain the bit or explain the joke. And the problem with explaining jokes is it's like dissecting a frog. And I feel like that topic today with our guest Lou is verboten. Like it is not a topic that we should discuss. We shouldn't discuss the dissection of frogs, the explaining of bits, the explaining of jokes. I think that would be something that hits too close to home. It would be too personal. And I don't know that this podcast has the emotional valence. I don't think it has the potential emotional energy to convey that sort of nuanced discussion, that sort of feeling-centric discussion. Even though we try to talk about our feelings on this show, and ultimately that's what programming is about, is about feelings, I don't think that this is the episode where we can do that because that would hit a little bit too close to home.
1: Lou, I have a question for you. Why did you call it a podcast instead of a pondcast? <laughs> no, no, you, no, you
0: know, <laughs> no, <laughs> Jimmy, no. I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make. What, I'm trying to make what some people would
2: call art. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm helping.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what? I think I actually have—I uh, have a GitHub repo with things I want to make, and I think Pondcast has been in there for a while now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Just for the name alone, you know.
1: Yes, yes.
2: You know, I—I I, I hear that, Ivan. I hear that, and um. But you know, there's part of the fun is of listening to these podcasts is like almost the intrigue around it. The weirdness and the crypticness of of the, I really enjoy that. Like, if I ever discover a podcast or a YouTube channel where not everything is revealed, it just makes it so much more intriguing. And and trying to like carve your way through that as an editor and to just decide what to show and what to not. Anyway, this is getting this is this is, oh, this is getting really meta, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: Now this is getting self congratulatory, um, because you're on this now, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no! It's downhill yeah. from here.
0: Yeah. Before you came on, Lou, this was starting to be like lost, where it, maybe there was some some mystery or something going on, but it wasn't building towards anything. And now it's building towards something, right? Um, and now there's a smoke monster.
2: <laughs> yeah. And a polar bear. The future of coding is a smoke monster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are lost references. I have. Sorry. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Lost? Uh, I watched the first and the last episodes. <laughs> Are you
2: serious? I've seen the entire series twice. The entire, all seven series, I've seen it twice. Did you actually watch the first and last episode? So this is
0: a thing that I do with TV shows. I watch the first and the last episode. That's 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 how I tend to... I've done this with multiple shows. So is that
1: what you recommend for this podcast?
0: Uh, yes, listen to the first episode with Steve... And then listen to whatever the most recent episode is. Every time a new episode comes out, go back and listen to the intro with Steve and then the new one. It's like the pickled ginger.
2: Have you uh, Have you ever seen that film, Memento? Yeah, but I watched it backwards so that the story yeah. would make sense. <laughs> so Memento, it's like they keep flipping, right, between the start and the end. And I think that's basically how I've listened to the Future of Code ding podcast. <laughs> listen i listened to the first and the last and then the second and then the second last and it it surprisingly works well highly recommend it
0: podcast has disappeared into the black lagoon don't know how it happened but i found myself in the middle of a psychedelic freak out in a parking lot at the bank of america
1: i mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, do you know what this is? This is a tier list. Thank you, Lou. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Coding, coding, coding. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be my new dinging. Is is coding. Would either of you care to describe what it is that I am dropping into our tier list?
1: Well, so these are all like features of Cow. These are all the the weird
0: things in Intercal. Specifically, they're symbols. These are all the symbols of Intercal. And so I am pasting them in with the symbol itself, with the name of the symbol, and for some of them even, what it does. And I think right off the bat, I'm going to have to take Skiggle and put that up in S tier. I think Skiggle is probably my favorite of the symbols in Intercal. Sorry, Jimmy, what did you say? squiggle no i'm sorry it's skiggle it is spelled s-q-i-g-g-l-e in the intercal paper and i believe pronounced skiggle uh it's the what you may know as the tilde character on your keyboard did they give a pronunciation guide or is this some canadian thing that i'm unaware of they did spell it s-q-i-g-g-l-e and in the paper they put a s-i-c sick after it to let you know that yes, in fact, it is skiggle, not squiggle. That is uh, directly from the paper. Uh, you but it
1: doesn't say how you pronounce it, just how
0: you spell. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm.
1: I just assumed you'd say it squiggle, spelled incorrectly, so no one could ever write it
0: properly. Mm, so this this kind of debate definitely does take some of the shine off of skiggle. I'm going to have to bump it down to a tier, unfortunately. <laughs> Lou, are any of these uh, any of these sigils resonating yeah, with you?
2: there were actually two that when I read those immediately. Now they're on another level. The one, the first one that really got to me was V, right? It's it's it is just a V. The V is exactly what it says on the tin. The V is a V.
0: There's no special name for V. It's just V.
2: There's a there's another one that I th- that plays with the format a little bit. Wax Wayne Pears.
0: There you go. There's wax, wane, pair up at the top, kind of by the what yes. operator, which you may know, listener, as question mark. In intercal, the question mark is called a what.
1: Yeah, I think wax and wane pairs do have to be an S tier. I, w- I would agree.
2: Wax, wane, pairs are two brackets or parentheses, except all of these symbols are presented in parentheses. <laughs> so what we end up with is parentheses inside parentheses. Instant S tier for me.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's a great point.
1: <laughs> I think the two spot colon, you might, you maybe people are going to disagree, but <laughs> I feel like that's like C tier.
0: Hmm. What makes you say that?
1: And so here, here's why. So spot, I think maybe goes a little higher. I like the spot, but like two spot is like a clever name, but the syntax for how you use a two spot almost feels too normal. Like a colon, introduce a variable just feels it feels lame so personally i would put the two spot in a c tier
0: it's definitely syntax that i've seen before in other programming languages
1: yeah exactly used
0: in a similar way i don't i don't care for that one too much now i got an s tier Ah, yeah what's that one
1: the 007
0: oh classic yeah (laughs) love 007 the
1: 007 was by far my favorite if I had another tier above S tier, I would put it there. Oh, well, put it there. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. That's the the invisible unlabeled doesn't have a name tier that is better than S tier.
1: So 007 is what you know normal people might call a percent sign. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, 007, that's just that's just so good. And you would never guess it, but as soon as you hear as soon as you see it,
0: you're like, of course it's double o seven. I'm actually going to put Embrace down in E tier because – and you know what? Actually, no. It's going all the way to the bottom. Embrace, which uh, pedestrians out there might know as the uh, open curly brace. It's the, the sigil of the bad languages. It's the death sigil. It's the sigil that you know, <laughs> sort of precipitated a lot of the decline of programming as a practice. It's the sigil that made things worse. But the bracelet – The closing curly brace, I'm putting it D tier. And it's, you know, ranked higher for me, first of all, because it's the one that uh, most irritates me about textual programming, right? Like if if you have the correct brace writing style where it's in line with the statement that opens the block, your opening curly braces aren't annoying because they just go with the if or the for. But your closing curly braces, those are the ones that make your text code nightmarish. And I think that that pressure, that feeling, that text code is so disgusting and not worth writing really comes from the languages that put those curly braces on their own lines. So the bracelet immediate D tier for me.
1: I think the only reason you did this was so that embrace and bracelet would be incorrect. So I'm going to also... Because they're like, you close before you open. That's the only reason you did this on the tier list. Because everything you said about bracelet means it should be an F tier. (laughs) But you just you you really did not want to make the br- braces open and close properly.
0: So I think you've you've made a very good point there, Jimmy. And that that convinced me um, u turn the opening square bracket E tier <laughs> easy. You turn back the closing square bracket. Definite C tier. Definitely two tiers above. Uh, u turn back is a B tier to me.
1: I think it's better than the two spot.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely better than mm-hmm. the two spot. Yeah. And uh, it's a nice name. You turn back. I like that. It's got some positivity to it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I can appreciate that.
2: What, what What are your thoughts on rabbit? Can I get your thoughts on rabbit? Love it. Love rabbit. Yeah.
0: Love, love that the combination of rabbit ears and a spot yeah. together make a rabbit.
2: The fact that you couldn't even type it yep. on our tier list, which I'm sure we'll share with people. Yep. just goes to show how advanced the the symbol is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it just reminds us that all of these symbols that we use in our day to day life, they're all just made up, aren't they? Someone just drew them.
0: But they're they're made up things for people. They mean something to people, and rabbit means something to me because rabbit. Yeah. Like, I, you know, rabbit means something to me in the way that mesh doesn't. Mesh immediate F tier.
1: Yep. <laughs> And and for people who don't know what Mesh is, you might know it better as the Octothorpe.
0: No explanation. Immediate F-tier, Mesh, get out of there. You know what's even worse? I was writing up these these sigils in a Markdown-aware editor, and Mesh, of course, rendered as a title instead of rendering as a sigil. F-tier. Oh. No question. And I guess we didn't explain rabbit. Rabbit is the, the conflagration, which I know is a word that means fire. Uh, it's the conflagration of a, uh, a double quote and a period placed one over top of the other.
1: Now, I have to ask, we have a lot of worm-themed things
0: here. Oh, yeah. I love the wormies.
1: The wormies. So we got worm, we got flatworm, we've got hookworm, we've got bookworm. How, how are we feeling about the worm family?
2: For me, I would place them in in the worm tier right, right over here. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Is that the the wormhole?
0: Uh yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, does TL draw support MP3s cuz I might have something to add to the wormhole tier. <laughs> Discussion <laughs> of a programming language which <laughs> shan't be named.
2: Yes. TL Draw does support MP3s as of the uh, release of this podcast, yes. Whoa. But not (laughs) not when it was recorded, unfortunately.
0: Oh, that's too bad. But the good news is that this podcast supports TL Draw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This episode brought to you kind of inadvertently by TL Draw.
2: Hi, everyone at the office.
1: (laughs) The spot, I feel like... Uh, okay, so just the name, it's like, uh, it's okay. You know, it's a dog, and and that's nice about it. But I love the way it plays in the language, that it is intentionally ambiguous that you're not making floating point operators, mm-hmm. and that you can pretend you are, right? Like, I, I feel like for that reason alone, it's got to go an A tier, not quite an S tier. Mm. But I, it kind of starts us on this journey. And for that, you know, being the original punctuation the op you know i think that 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 is important
0: yeah uh to to channel uh lady m i would say up damn spot up i say a tier sounds good to me so (laughs) sorry for the shakespeare references on this podcast there will be no more of them
2: now this exclamation mark bang or whatever you call it for me and it's just called wow which is pretty great and The fact that you can also break it down into a combination of spark and spot makes it quite an impressive symbol. There's a few different ideas going on here. Mm -hmm. And also this exclamation mark, it's a symbol that sort of relates me personally. I have a little joke, programming language that will not be named on this podcast, that uses heavy use of exclamation marks. And so I'm going to place this into like a personal, personal B tier that's nice yeah I I
0: also very much agree personal programming languages are not to be named on this podcast yeah no no if Jimmy ever makes a programming language he will not be allowed to name it on this podcast
2: it will be called
0: Uh, listener you don't realize it but I just edited out what Jimmy said so uh, (laughs) there's there's a just a weird silent hissing noise there Jimmy didn't know about but uh, you do
1: I don't even remember this gets calculate arrow thingy here. Yeah, so it's that's going in F tier.
0: Oh, no, that's actually, it has to go worm tier because it's the overpunch of a worm and an angle. But it's not called a worm. Mm. It's not called a
1: worm. Oh, if they called mm. it the the decompose, right, then it would be like something. Oh,
0: you know what? You know what? I've got it. It goes half in worm tier and half in B tier because it's like a worm that got stuck in a bottle, uh, <laughs> and so I'm I'm putting it uh, B for bottle, worm for worm.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> ampersand F tier.
0: Oh yeah, ampersand F tier. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It knows what it did.
1: Overline should have been called overworm.
0: Oh yeah, what a... For that reason, E tier. Mm. What a lost opportunity. Same with backslat mm. and slat. Those should have been like worm climbing up and worm climbing down. Definite E tiers.
2: I think I'd like to put shark in D tier because it's blue like the C.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh. Yep. In fact, no. d- would you mind if I pulled shark just up to the top of D tier so that the fin is poking up into C tier? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: uh Splat here is falling down into the sea.
0: Oh yeah, and it's gonna make a splat Or like it just
1: (laughs) it just like impact. Yeah,
0: that's nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh I'm gonna give one of the worms a tail uh
1: spark is yellow sorry which one spark
0: is yellow tier because it's yellow yeah yeah Yeah, because like (laughs) electricity
1: or i mean it could be very sparky and it could go up to the s tier
0: but i feel like that's wrong yeah yeah that's too uh that's the s does not stand for spark
2: i feel like um change should at least go below big money so i'm gonna put that in the one below big money in the e tier
0: Ooh, I've got a counter argument to that one, Lou. I think change should actually go S tier, S for state, (gasps) uh, because state change is the thing about programming that makes it so good, and um, the embrace of state and the embrace of mutable state in particular. Or it could go in the O tier for Obama. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
2: so stupid.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think we need an O tier <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, we got two left <laughs> Oh no, you're making an O tier uh, 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 I'm going to do yeah. the, the what And I'm going to put what in the F tier Because what the F uh. um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay,
1: and then our final one is Spike
0: um yeah you decide what to do with that jimmy well uh lou and i make a make a rectangle that is half blue and half red oh, uh, <laughs> and put change in it right that, that'll
1: uh, be. there we go i put I, I put spike in the uh spike s tier
0: in the s tier <laughs> uh-huh
1: spike s tier nice okay and now we have a little red and blue split down the middle <laughs> obama tier here yep lovely beautiful yeah with change kind of going in between it
0: this is a great thing that we've created. Thank you. Um, uh huh.
1: Yeah. Uh, this was, this was <laughs> wonderful. I, I don't know why we don't do more tier lists in, in a podcast. On a podcast.
0: Medium. Yeah. 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 <laughs> audio uh, tier listing. All right. So I've got one more, uh, exercise for us to do and then we should probably call it because this is, uh, uh, accidentally turning into a long episode.
2: <laughs> How did that happen? You
0: I, it. I, down. Ivan
1: always, Ivan's like, He'll be like, we need to keep episodes shorter. And I'm like, okay. And then I'll be reading through and I'm like, these next sections are not that interesting. And I was like, I have like 12 things to say over these next (laughs) sessions. I'm like, you, you, I don't want to be like, maybe I should, but I don't want to be like, Ivan, you said you wanted this to be shorter. We're three hours in. I was trying to like wrap it up and
2: he just keeps going. He's going to do some editing magic. Editing magic will pull through in the end. Yeah.
0: I'll, uh, I'll be able to surgery this into, into a coherent shape. If you can believe it, this will come out being coherent.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm always amazed. Like I don't think Ivan changes too much of the trajectory of our conversation, but we've had so many technical issues before that I'm just yeah, impressed man. with how like cohesive Ivan always makes these things.
0: I, I have literally done the thing where I've re-recorded things Like, I've re-recorded some of my own dialogue.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's the one where I ask you about intros and then you, you know, re-recorded yourself and re-recorded yourself and interrupted yourself. So
0: Jimmy's question is poorly formed because it assumes that there's some sort of motivation for doing things differently on this show, which of course there isn't.
1: I thought this was a perfect paper to have this sort of meta discussion because this paper doesn't. But then I said, "Oh, that really helped me understand why you do this, Ivan." But I had never heard the explanation the audience
0: the thing you were responding to. Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. it's even more impressive when he when Ivan re-records Jimmy's part too.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, when I do my spot-on Jimmy impression.
2: I've been waiting for that.
1: Yes. Yes, I've been waiting for that at some point. Put words in my mouth.
2: For the listener looking to become more familiar with the Future of Coding podcast, we present in this section an analysis of a complex podcast, as well as some suggested podcasts for the ambitious listener. We're not actually presenting an analysis, are we?
0: Well, so, yeah, so what's going to happen following this is. Oh, I see! With us talking about, you know, that. Oh, great. I think one of the themes is going to be like, this is a hard podcast to listen to, but it should help you in listening to other podcasts as well.
2: Well, I could carry on with what, um, the mimicry of what's in the paper a little bit then. Just a... To... Analysis. We shall not attempt to discuss here the algorithms used, but rather we shall point out some of the general techniques applicable to a wide range of podcasts.
1: If you want a more serious take about Intercal, definitely check out the Advent of Computing podcast where there's a whole episode dedicated to Intercal and goes into the history and uh, actually explains the operators and how they work and etc.
0: I'll probably splice that in like at the peak of our most meta when we're discussing like what even is podcast. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I can see that. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Podcasts will often invite you to write in with your questions and feedback.
0: Because this is one of the things that podcasts do. Like on our last episode, I really enjoyed how we spent the first part of the episode reflecting on that feedback that Personal Dynamic Media sent us. And so that's like one of the things I've really enjoyed is that more and more people are writing in with feedback now. And they're like contacting me on Mastodon and they're writing us emails at the Future of Coding. Uh, email address which is uh, uh jimmy miller uh at twitter.com i don't remember what the, <laughs> i don't remember what our email is i don't
1: know have access to that
0: email you're you're at twitter on future of coding is that what somehow people get us with feedback
1: i was going to be like dear here's a question from a listener dear ivan what is blood bloody thing what was that <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because that's the question I still have. Why would you throw bags of blood at a beached thing?
1: Yeah, sorry, beached thing. What? What was that?
0: Yeah, you, you, yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, okay, cool. That's right. that's um, good enough. I will make that work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I trust you. That's the funny thing.
0: Okay, so the next thing, uh, Lou, that you're going to set up for us is. One of the things that people often do on podcasts is request that you support them on Patreon. Mm. Now, this one's interesting because Jimmy and I don't have a Patreon and you do. (laughs) I I do. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to find a way to make it about that. Right. Uh, Oh, so yeah, do that. Set that up plain and then I'll I'll rope Jimmy into a conversation. And Jimmy, I'm going to rope you, like the thing I did where I was talking about like, hey, I enjoyed on our last episode that personal dynamic media wrote in like that was me being sincere and that's i'm going to like go from i don't have a good way to do this i don't have a good way of signaling to you like when i'm being sincere oh so if if i'm holding the krill i'm being insincere and if i put the krill down i'm being sincere (laughs) okay so if i'm holding the the Uh krill uh
2: making a podcast is hard and costs lots of money so you can help by supporting your favorite podcast on Patreon.
0: All right, so I'm putting the krill down.
2: So now you're insincere.
0: No, now I'm sincere. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so we have been talking about starting a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think now would be the right time to do that?
1: I, I don't know. I think that we've we've talked about you know what would go on there, and I I do think it. You know, some people can see putting out a Patreon as like a money grab or something like that, but I I definitely don't. You know, I definitely don't see it that way. You know, we stopped sponsorships. I know, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about that, but we stopped sponsorships just because it was (laughs) like I
0: don't think we ever said that on the show. We fired our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, we (laughs) stopped
1: sponsorships just because it was too much of a hassle and it didn't really add anything to the show, at at least at the moment. Right, we're not going to say like we'll never do it, but it wasn't. It wasn't helping us produce.
0: Yeah, like if if Dynamic Land wanted to sponsor us, that I think would be appropriate. But there's a lot of uh, low code as a service that wanted to sponsor the show, and that's not what we're about, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. The as-a-service part just, it does rub me the wrong way. Uh,
0: But it does take me dozens of hours to edit an episode and it does there's stuff like I, I there's audio equipment that i would like to buy that i can't really justify buying cuz it's like the show's not making any money but if i did have money i could buy audio equipment so i do like i do feel like at some point it would be good to to start a patreon but like at, at the, the same, same time, time i
1: think the other part of this is really that it's a venue for content for people who are more into what we're producing, who want that extra content, and that would be where we would put that, right? So, like, we've talked about, like... Maybe we have like a debate on is programming inherently spatial, right? Like that would be a, we we wouldn't want to do an hour long debate on the podcast about that because we definitely didn't. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, a more in-depth debate on that, that might be a fun thing. I think there's, there's ways we could expand the content we're producing and, and get people to be a part of these conversations and do more
0: there. That would be nice. But I mean, like everybody's got subscription fatigue. Like for instance, one of the things that I have been meaning to do forever and haven't done yet is, um, do you know Lou Wilson? Do you know like Toad Pond? They do those YouTube videos. I watched
1: screens.
0: Oh yeah, that was good.
1: That was uh, that that was really good. Um, to this day, still that like my wife will only watch those programming videos and not any other programming videos because they're all very. Most programming videos are very boring, but she she really likes Toad Pond, so yeah. I do back Toad Pond on Patreon and uh, definitely recommend doing so.
0: Yeah. 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 Their work is so good. Sorry to interrupt everyone. No.
2: (laughs) Could I just say like, just to be sincere, I mean, it doesn't have to be recorded, but like, you're
0: not holding the krill. You can be
2: sincere. That's true.
1: So I can't be insincere because I don't have a krill.
2: Yeah, exactly. When I set up a Patreon, The main reason I did it was because I wanted to set up a little paywall. And behind that paywall, I could be a little bit more free with what I was sharing. It's not really for the money for me. um, And like Patreon yells at me because I set my price at minimum. Are you sure you want to do this? It says it like 10 times. But just just having that slight. barrier there i think has helped people to become a bit more invested and to be a bit more engaged with it to sort of like formalize that a little bit
1: i was probably you know i probably mentioned patreon first when when talking to ivan because i always before being uh, involved in the podcast wanted it to exist not because like i i so there's There's a podcast that I've listened to for a long time, the partially examined life. It's a a philosophy podcast and well before Patreon, they had like was a thing. They had a way of supporting it and they kind of like try to do some, some different stuff with it over time, but I never got involved in like the secret discussions. I never got involved in kind of the, the, like you could go talk to the community but I always loved the idea that I was supporting them, and when I got my first programming job, that was one of the first things I actually did was sign up for that service so I could support them. And it was a, such a tiny thing, you know. I was doing like it was like five dollars a month or whatever, but I, I just didn't couldn't uh, justify that before. And so for me, that's part of this point is like I, I just find there's something nice about knowing even if you're doing it in a small way, supporting people doing things you like.
2: Yeah, that's completely what I find.
1: Yeah, that's always been the desire for me is like, I knew I wanted that outlet and other people might also.
2: Like, um, I find that what people want from like a subscription to me is often they don't want anything in return. They just want to know that their money is going towards supporting it. I often see my job is reminding people, yeah, yeah, it is. It is really helping, you know, So, and it is. so. <laughs> Avid podcast enthusiasts savour their favourite shows by listening to them at 0one times speed. We will now play the following audio segment at 10 times speed, so you can practice finding the 0one times speed button in your podcast player. Please do test the skip forward button on your podcast player. This will simulate the experience of reading the paper, where, starting from page 16, several pages of Intercal's source code appear, which no reasonable person would ever be expected to read. To simulate this experience in podcast form, Ivan will read these pages in their entirety now.
0: Intercal, page 16, section 6, program listing. Line 1, 1,000, please ignore spot 4. Line 2, please abstain from 1,005. Line 3, 1,009, do stash spot 1 plus spot 2 plus spot 5 plus spot 6. Line 4, do spot 4, and then the little angle bracket, uh spike is that what it's called and then uh oh what's it called for the the mesh mesh one doing this from memory uh line five do 1004 next line six which is 1004 please forget mesh one line seven do spot three spike oh what's that line and then the little thing and then the upside down one and then spot one change spot two that one skiggle that one and then the mesh zero change mesh six five five three five and then you know what i gotta look up what that one is i keep calling it that one what's the that one where's the page that has the that one on it Uh, is it all the way down here? Yeah, there we go. Not back spark. Oh, I guess that's spark. Is that what it is? Where's spark? Oh, I don't see spark on this list. Okay, well, we'll call that spark. And you know what? Let's pick up from, uh, from here. Line nine, skipping line eight because please do spot five spike quote. Oh, the upside down a what's that? It's a, oh, it's a worm over punched on a V. What's, I'm gonna call that worm because <laughs> I can't remember what it's called and then a wow and then six skiggle mesh three two seven six eight spark change mesh one rabbit oh not rabbit no it's the what is it the ears with the sp- what are the what are the ears called the, the the quote rabbit ears okay yeah the rabbit ears grouper grouper's a really good musician. Uh, Skiggle, mesh 3. Line 10, do, 1002, next. We haven't seen 1002, next. Line 11, do, spot 4, spike, mesh 2. Line 12, 1005, do, 1006, next. Then line 13, which has a little star to the left of the line number, a little asterisk. Oh, there's no... There's no explanation of what that means. I'm going to assume that it means something important that I have forgotten. Oh well, one thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine double or single precision overflow. Oh, cool. Wait a second. What what does that even mean? I haven't seen those words. Do they? Maybe it's just ignored. I don't know. Or maybe the fact that the first two letters are "do" so it'd be "do double or single precision overflow." Line 14, 1002. Do 1001 next. Okay, so where's 1001? We haven't seen 1001 yet. Okay. The line 15, 1006. Please forget. Mesh 1. Line 16, do. Spot 5. Spike. Spark. Verm. (laughs) Rabbit ears. Wow. 6. Skiggle. Spot 6. Spark. Skiggle. Mesh. 1. Rabbit ears. Change. Mesh. 1. Spark. Skiggle. Mesh, three. 17, do 1003 next. 18, do spot one, spike, spot three. 19, do spot two, spike, wow. Six, change, mesh, zero. Spark, skiggle, spark, mesh, three, two, six. Oh no, three, two, seven, six, seven, change, mesh, one, spark. 20, do 1004 next. Ooh, we've seen 1004. 1004 is please forget... Mesh 1. Uh-oh. Then we are on line 15, which is 1006. Please forget Mesh 1. Okay, cool. Uh, then line 16. Do spot 5. Spike, spark, verm, rabbit ears, wow, 6, skiggle, spot 6, spark, skiggle, mesh 1, rabbit ears, change, mesh 1, spark, skiggle, mesh 3. Line 17, do 1,003 next. Line 18, do spot one, spark, spike, not spark, spike, spot three. Line 19, do spot two, (sighs) okay, this is, this is a lot. Um, We're just gonna, give me a head a little bit. Let's say 100, do spot one, spike, spot three, 101, please do, one five o three next. I'm not reading the, the 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 embrace and bracelet. I'm I'm those are silent. Uh, one hundred and two do spot six spike spot four. One hundred and three do spot two spike mesh one. One hundred and four do 1009, next. Hundred and five do spot one spike spot three. One hundred and six do one thousand five hundred and one next. One hundred and seven. 1,504. Please resume spot six. Uh, Oh, this one looks good. This looks like a good one. All right. Here we go. Line 123. Do. Oh, what's the colon called? Uh, The colon. All right. We got to look this up and then we can go back and do that again. The colon is called two spot. Oh, of course. Two spot. How could I forget about two spot? All right. Line 123. All right, here we go. Do two spot one spike, rabbit ears, spark, verm. Rabbit ears, two spot two, skiggle, spark, mesh 65535. Change, mesh zero, spark, rabbit ears, change, mesh 65535. Spark, skiggle, spark, mesh zero, change, mesh 65535. Spark, rabbit ears, change, rabbit ears, spark, verm. Rabbit ears, two spot, two, skiggle, spark, mesh, zero, change, mesh, six, five, five, three, five, spark, rabbit ears, change, mesh, six, five, five, three, five, spark, skiggle, spark, mesh, zero, change, mesh, six, five, five, three, five, spark, rabbit ears. That was a great line of code. That's so good. All right, let's find another good one. Uh, Line 140, statement label, one, five, two, five. Do, spot three, spike, spark rabbit ears spark rabbit ears spark rabbit ears wow three change mesh zero spark rabbit ears spark mesh three two seven six seven change mesh one spark rabbit ears change mesh zero spark skiggle spark mesh 32767 seven. change mash one spark rabbit ears change mesh zero spark skiggle spark mesh one six three eight three change mesh three spark rabbit ears change mesh zero spark Skiggle spark mesh 4095 change mesh 15 spark. Line 141. Please resume mesh one. Let's keep going. Oh, we haven't done any stashes yet. Line 142, statement identifier 1530, do stash two spot two plus two spot three plus spot three plus spot five. Uh, there's a certain musicality to intercal code that I like. Line one five six, do two spot two. Spike, rabbit ears, two spot, two. Oh, you know what? They could really mess with me by putting a, a, a number two in front of a spot. So I would read that as two spot, but it's actually two spot, not two spot. that That's how they get you. All right, where were we? We were partway through line 156. Two spot, two. Skiggle, spark, mesh, zero change, mesh, six, five, five, three, five, spark Rabbit ears. Change. Rabbit ears. Spark. Rabbit ears. Two spot. Two skiggle. Spark. Oh, and I haven't been looking for back sparks either. Mm, I gotta keep my eyes open for that. Two skiggle. Spark. Mesh. Three, two, seven, six, seven. Change. Mesh. Zero. Spark. Rabbit ears. Change. Mesh. Zero. Spark. Skiggle. Spark. Mesh. Three, two, seven, six, seven. Change. Mesh. One. Spark. Rabbit ears. Y'all ever listen to those number stations? It's, uh, there's got to be like an intercal station that uh, Wilco and Boards of Canada can work into their upcoming albums. That'd be the real the real deep cut. Please, ab- oh, uh, line 163, statement identifier 1540, please abstain from 1541. <laughs> no idea where that is. Yeah, there's a lot of do's and please do's interspersed in here. Oh, here's a near one, new one. Line 195, please retrieve two spot four. Line 200, statement identifier 1543, do 1001 next. Ah, we found another jump to 1001. Line 201, statement identifier 1544, do reinstate 1541. Line 202, please reinstate 1542. Line 203, please retrieve 2 spot 1 plus 2 spot 2 plus 2 spot 5 plus spot 1 plus spot 2 plus spot 5. Line 204, do resume mesh 2. Line 205, 1550 is the statement identifier. Do stash 2 spot 1 plus 2 spot 4 plus 2 spot 5 plus spot 5. Do to oh no. Due to 206. I will not be uh, continuing to read that line of code. We will read 220 instead. Do spot five, spike, spark, verm, rabbit ears, spark. Oh, the ampersand. What does the ampersand stand for? Ooh, right. Oh, the, the V in the worm is called bookworm. Ah, there we go. Well, I'm going to call it verm, because I like verm. You all familiar with the great director Verm or Herzog? <laughs> uh where's the ampersand um oh I don't have my handy intercal pocket reference that I really should have brought out for this circumstance oh it's just called ampersand and it has the footnote got any better ideas (laughs) these cats oh my goodness all right line 220 we were at the ampersand ampersand rabbit ears spark two spot two skiggles two spot five spark skiggle spark rabbit ears spark bookworm yeah there you go rabbit ears spark bookworm rabbit ears two spot five skiggle two spot five skiggle oh no i said skiggle i meant to say rabbit ears oh dear fix that in post skiggle rabbit ears Mesh 65535, Skiggle, Mesh 65535, Rabbit Ears, Spark, Skiggle, Spark, Mesh 65535, Change, Mesh 0, Spark, Rabbit Ears, Change, Mesh 32768, Spark, Skiggle, Spark, Mesh 0, Change, Mesh 65535, Spark, Rabbit Ears, Change, Rabbit Ears, Spark, Bookworm, Rabbit Ears, 2 Spot 5, Skiggle, 2 Spot 5, Mesh, Skiggle, Mesh, Oh no, I've been calling them meshes. They're rabbit ears. Six, five, five, three, five, change. I give, this is like, this is absurd. Uh, there we go. Uh, line two, five, four, which is preceded by an ampersand. Please note that you can't get there from here. (laughs) Line two, five, five, statement identifier one, nine, one, two, do one, zero, zero, one, next. Line 2561911, that's the statement identifier, do forget mesh one, 257, please do 1900 next, 258, do two spot two, spike spot one, 259, do 1500 next, 260, do two spot one, spike two spot three, 262, do 1020 next, 163, please do spot three, spike spot one, 264, do spot five, spike, spark, bookworm, rabbit ears, wow, three, skiggle, spot, three, spark, skiggle, mesh, one, rabbit ears, change, mesh, two, spark, skiggle, mesh, three, 256, do 1912 next, 266, six, do spot one, spike, mesh, one two two six seven 267, please do 1050 zero, zero, next, 268, do retrieve spot one two six nine do one five three zero next two seven zero nice do two spot two spike mesh three two seven six eight two seven one do one five zero zero next two seven two please do spot two spike two spot three giggle spark mesh six five two eight zero change mesh two six two eight zero spark 273 please retrieve spot 3 plus spot 5 plus 2 spot 1 plus 2 spot 2 plus 2 spot 3 274 do resume mesh 1 are you are
2: you okay with this this uh this thing that we're doing oh absolutely i think the 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 stranger and more unexpected the the better yeah i'm happy to be used Uh, yeah i'm I'm using you as a puppet a little bit i i am aware of that no 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 i this is so great this is very on brand for me (laughs) (laughs) To be used as a puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And
0: the only thing that makes me feel slightly less uncomfortable using you in this way is that...
2: A podcast is a hot medium, which means you have the opportunity to talk back to us. To talk back to us. Here, let's practice. Jimmy is going to ask you a question, and then we'll pause for a moment. You answer and then we'll think about it. Other listeners will hear your answer and also think about it, assuming they're in the same room as you.
1: Oh, hey there. Come on in. Oh, what did you say? A clue? You see a clue? Where? Where's the clue? Oh, there! (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: That is an in joke.
1: I like the bug, no bug uh, section on this paper where there's a fixed probability of a fatal compiler error being worked in at random into your program. (laughs)
2: That's just such a good feature. Yeah, yeah,
0: the default. Yeah, you Uh, have to turn that off.
2: I will attempt to insert a fatal error into the podcast. In keeping with how fatal errors work in InterCal, a fatal error in the podcast will be an error that causes the immediate termination of the podcast. That is, causing the listener to stop listening. Let's see what we can do to achieve that right now. Three words that come to mind when you think of the all new
0: systems in the fizz.
1: A few months ago, it came out.
0: So there's a joke in the paper where they say, Since there is currently no cataloged procedure for invoking the compiler, the user must include the inline procedure shown on the following page in his job before the compilation step. Copies of this inline procedure may be obtained at any key punch if the proper keys are struck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like that joke. (laughs) And I was trying to think of like, a way that we could podcastify that joke. Like, copies of this audio may be obtained at any microphone if the correct noises are sung aloud, something like that. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's it. But then... Some. Yes, yes. (laughs) Hat on a hat. What is the something that you obtain?
2: To listen to your favourite podcast, simply search Future of Coding in your podcast player of choice. Copies of this audio may also be obtained at any microphone if the correct noises are sung aloud, let's dive in. And there's a huge explosion at the end. If the iambic parameter has been requested when downloading this episode, the following block of podcast data will be delivered in prose
1: Spark to spot. Rabbit, wow. Spot the tail. Backspark now. Half a worm, wax and wane, splat and squiggle, slat, abstain. Backslat, whirlpool, shark and blotch, 007, a U turn watch. Embrace the bracelet, book of mesh, flatworm, half mesh, please do refresh. Please forget, please ignore, please abstain, seek no more. Spark spot dances, U turns grace, in this backspark tale, embrace.